I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Dave Kittle Show. This is Dave Kittle. I am the uh, physical therapist, one of, and owner of Concierge Pain Relief Home Physical Therapy in New York City and the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. We're currently acquiring physical therapy practices in New York and New Jersey area, New York and New Jersey area. And today we have a business broker on the show today, David Kazakria. He is the broker and the principal at Southeast Business Advisors. We're going to hear more about him and how you can connect with him if you're interested. First of all, David, welcome on the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. The Dave and Dave show. Dave and Dave, here we go. So we contacted a couple of months ago, maybe one or two months ago, and we were uh, speaking about your background as a broker, and now you've really been specializing in healthcare. So in order to uh, give the audience of typically therapy practice owners, healthcare business owners as the audience, give them a little bit of background about yourself and why you see healthcare as a good niche that you're focusing in right now. I've been doing it for 20 years. I... Basically, what I've done is I don't per se specialize in that. I've handled all types types of businesses, whether it's manufacturing, trucking, restaurants, of course. I've even had an ice manufacturing plant. I've done medical practices. And a couple of years ago, I decided, oh, let me go ahead. I think I'll focus on healthcare, which I've done. And that's what I've done. But I'm looking at, again, generalization and not just per se healthcare. But there are, you know, there's a lot of buyers out there right now for a lot of businesses, not, not just healthcare. Got it. So if there's a healthcare business owner, maybe a physical therapy practice owner that's out there, you're a broker. So you'll obviously be biased when I ask you this question. Does every owner in healthcare, if they're looking to sell, if they're considering thinking about selling some or all of their practice, do they need a business broker? Well, I'm going to say... In my opinion, okay, I mean, you can have a, I'm going to be non-biased here because, I mean, you may have a small practice, even though I'm talking with doctors right now, they're, they're doing less than a couple hundred thousand dollars in collections. Yeah, they could probably sell it themselves. But here's the thing. Most people don't know how to sell a business. Doctors, again, I'm saying this for doctors, doctors are good at doctoring but most of them don't know what's going on within their practice a lot of times because they're used to everybody else doing everything for them. In my opinion, it's helpful having a business broker like myself because we handle everything. When we're dealing with buyers, we get NDAs, we get we want to get a personal financial statement on the on the buyer. We want to pre-qualify them. Doctors don't have the time to go ahead and sell their business too. They just don't have that time. And a lot of your business owners don't either. And really that's what a business broker does for a business owner and and selling the business for them. We take all that away from them. So our job is to go ahead after we've pre-qualified a potential buyer, that's when we put them, you know, both parties together. 
Makes sense. And then in regards to the whole process, there's a lot of that front end work that you would be doing. I'm assuming once there's an agreement between you and the business owner, like they sign some type of retainer, whatever your agreement is. Uh, well, for, first of all, let's touch on that. So if I'm, so I'm a healthcare, I'm, I'm a physical therapy practice owner. So if I were reaching out to you, uh, I've never even asked this about the other brokers that I've had on the show, but let's say I want to retain you now. Obviously, I don't want you to say anything about cost or dollars or commission or anything like that because the audience can reach out to you if they want to find out more about the details. But if I wanted to reach out to you, what does that process look like? Do I do we have some type of a one or two calls, Zoom calls in regards to both of us feeling each other out? Maybe as an owner, am I interviewing several brokers or is it usually like you get referrals and like, you know, then it goes that way? How, how does it how does it usually go between a, a, thir- a practice owner reaching out to a broker like you? What's that first step or two? You know, if they want to reach out to a couple of different brokers, they can. I'm going to tell you this, and this is my opinion. Most of them regarding like what we call success fees or commissions, but pretty much everybody's pretty much in line there. Okay. But when it comes to going ahead and first initially having a discussion with a, a doctor, a practice owner, any business owner, when I get calls and the guy want to sell my business, they really don't know if they want to sell their business or not because they don't even know what they're worth. So the very first step is, I'll ask them questions and get familiarized with the, with the practice of the business. And when I say business, because I'm talking about general across the board here, they really don't know if they want to sell or not because they don't know what they're worth. And a lot of some of them I've talked to, they have even no idea what their collections are. So by going ahead and having a, a good discussion with them, I'll I'll always ask them, and it's not, and I tell them, there's no right or wrong answer. What do you think your business is worth? Many of them tell me, Dave, I have no idea. And that's where I can go ahead and help them. Because, and we can talk about recasting and all that in, in a little bit. But the first thing is, is to go ahead. A, a broker would do what's called a broker's opinion of value. And it's just that. It's an opinion of value. We'll go ahead. We'll get the financials. We'll do a recasting. And then basically say, okay, this is what we feel that this business or practice is worth. There's also what's called, and I'm going to go a step further, there's called a certified business appraisal. Now, there's a cost to that, okay? But I have an independent third-party firm that I've used for years, one of the largest in the the country, and doing an appraisal right now, that I use because that's a certified business appraisal. And the reason for going ahead and having a certified business appraisal, but I tell people, you need to be believable to a buyer. And what I mean by that, the asking price needs to be believable to a buyer because where did you come up with this price? And a buyer is always thinking in their mind, okay, did the broker come up with this? Did the seller come up with this? And if you go, yeah, this is what we did, or I doubt you're going to say this is what the seller wants, it's not believable. Because when a buyer gets into their due diligence and they take the numbers, most likely they're going to get in touch with their CPA or they're going to go ahead and hire a CPA to, to do the due diligence review or maybe even a tax attorney, either them numbers make sense or they don't. And they're going to go, wait a minute, what are you doing here? So the, um, the, fir- the, the first thing, the broker's opinion of value, is that is that also without saying the dollar amount because they'll have to contact you for that, but that is, is that a paid step or is that like you just have to ask them questions? That's almost like a, an initial phone consult type of thing. Or do they have to send you financial documents and all that? And then you're kind of building your case to get the opinion of value. But like, do you need financials or is it just like the first? Yeah, well, you, call? Can do, 
That's the only way you can do it. In order to come up with the value of a business, you need to gather the finance. Typically, and just like lenders, they're always going to see the last three years financials. When we're doing evaluation, when the appraiser I use, they'll take the last four years tax returns, P&Ls, and balance sheets. And then in this case, we're halfway through 2022. They're going to go ahead and ask for at least through June 30th, P&L and balance sheet. Yeah, year to date. Got it. Yeah. But I always joke with people, but it's true. When it comes to selling a business, it's about numbers. It's not about, oh, I love the paint and look at the cabinets. Got it. So then what's the difference between, again, just for the audience of healthcare practice owners, therapy owners, what's the difference between the broker's opinion of value and then the certified business appraisal? Do you and your firm do certified business appraisal or is that independent of you guys and that's another party? It's independent. One of the big differences is Again, a broker's opinion of value will not stand up in court if there's any possibility of that happening. Whereas a, a certified business appraisal, independent third party business appraisal will. The other thing is, is the appraiser that I use, he'll go ahead and value the practice or the business six plus different ways. Whereas, you know, most cases we're doing seller's discretion and cash flow SDC. Maybe go ahead and look at EBITDA. The other thing is, is you're talking about a good 100-page report versus opinion of value, which could be, you know, just the broker's going ahead. He's gathering up financials, uh, you know, jotting down some numbers and putting them together. It's, okay, based on comp, based on what I'm looking at, based on the cash flow, this is what I feel that the practice of the business is worth between this range and this range. And the other thing that the business appraisal will do is they'll go ahead and they'll even recast out like a couple years projection is what I should say. So, and the big thing is it's more believable to a buyer. And because in most cases, without having a certified business appraisal, you can lose anywhere between 10 to 30% right off the bat because the buyer really doesn't know where this, this number is coming from. And like I tell people, you spent blood, sweat, and tears building this business or building this practice. It's not the time to go ahead and be afraid to put a little money into it. And and I will say this, because the company I've used, I used them for years, they do give me a, a better fee for my clients versus somebody just potentially calling out of the blue. Because I mean, business appraisals, you can be anywhere from 10, 20, I've even heard some 30 and 35,000. Which to me is, you know, kind of crazy, but it each their own. So that the certified business appraisal is that done by a different brokerage or what firms? Is that is it law firms or no, an appraisal appraisal firm? And that's all they do. They specialize in that. All they do. They have all the credentials, and that's the other thing too. They have the credentials, of course, to back them up. They also, if there's need, not the saying. If there's any a need for any testimony, but again, if something were to ha- like a good example, a divorce, you've got one party that wants it high, and you got the other party wants the price low, and that's where you know, your certified business appraisal comes into play because if they go to court with that and it's just an opinion of value, the judges are just going to throw that out. As a matter of fact, most likely they're going to request we need to have the business certified. I have heard recently of practices that are owned by multiple healthcare providers, and maybe one wants to cash out, move away, whatever. 
And that makes a really smart sense of getting that entity appraised because then that individual would know how much either they have to be bought out by or, you know, the partners know how much it would be worth, right? Exactly. And there's a good example you're giving there, too. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for going ahead and having a, a business appraised. Like I said, it could be, again, just a sale. It could be a divorce. It could be buying out a partner. And many, there's many reasons. If it sell for many reasons, as we know. Say that again? And people sell for many reasons, too. It's not always sure, just retirement. Sure. Right. I mean, they want to. that contact me that I hear that they're going, I'm just burned out, Dave. Oh, okay. How old are you? I'm 58. So, you know, they're that all. I had one a couple of years ago. She was like 48 years old. She says, I just want to go garden. I am tired of doctoring. And she was just burned out. There's definitely a lot of healthcare practice owners that we've spoken with that are burnout or have headaches with the administrative side of things, right? The billing, the the admin, the front desk, the the hiring, the firing, the HR, the revenue cycle management, collections. So let, let's go back to the certified business appraisal. As a practice owner, let's say it's a physician or a physical therapist that owns 100% of their practice and they're looking to sell 75% of it or 100% of it. They go and get their business appraised, but at the end of the day, also like then you send the the information to a potential buyer group like us, but then it's still a negotiation. So, what would be the incentive for that practice owner to have a to go pay ten grand, twenty grand, thirty five grand, whatever you just said about the certified business appraisal when they're going to get? I I'm able to get my clients a little better deal. So. <laughs> okay, so even if it was just, even if it's two grand to ten grand, let's just say. But I understand what I understand what you're saying. Go ahead, finish your question. Why would a practice owner pay for a certified business appraisal if they want to sell? They want to sell majority or even 100% of it. Maybe they have they have staff in place. Everything's you know turnkey. Everything's in place. But they're looking to exit. They're going to move away. They want to travel more. They want to start the next chapter of their life. Whatever it is, if they're going to pay for that, that's one thing. Then they have you as well in their corner to help with negotiations. And then you guys present this information to a buyer group like us and, and usually multiple buyers. And then there's going to be a negotiation on that asking price anyway. So how would the business appraisal that is a, a paid step for an owner, what's the incentive for them to have that if they're looking to just sell most or all of their practice? Number one word, believability. Okay. You have to be believable to a buyer. And I understand what you're asking, but here's the other thing. A business that goes ahead and has a certified business appraisal where you have a, it's about that thick. Every, everyone that I've done where, and I've even advertised that way, business has been independently third party appraised for the asking price. Believable. That's saying I didn't put the price on it. The seller didn't put the price on it. This is what it's worth. And every one of them will ask me, can I get a copy of that? Sure, as long as the seller doesn't have a problem. And the other thing is by having that done, there's not usually that much negotiation because you know we know what we're worth. It said we're worth a million dollars. We know we're worth a million dollars. The seller knows he's worth a million dollars. And now the buyer knows he's worth a million dollars. And usually you're going to see very little negotiation, whereas 
you could have, and it happens, and that's where that 10 to 30%, by not having that done, you get these crazy offers that someone says, oh, let's just offer them 700,000. Let's just offer 650. And then, you know, that's where your negotiation is. But it's more believable, and it really comes down to that one word, believability. Got it. So, and maybe I'll have to ask you for all, maybe we interview uh, some of these independent business appraisers in the future. Maybe, we'll see. For those individuals, if they're appraising the financials of the practice, right? So are they looking just at the financials only? Are they looking for the unencumbered free cash flow? Do they also take into account like number of staff and all of that? Because, and also like, do they use certain EBITDA multiples? And then maybe it depends on how much net profit at the end of the year. Do they use, you know, 3X EBITDA? Do they use two? Do they use 5X EBITDA? Like, do they come up with that type of thinking with an appraisal? That's their expertise. That's exactly what they do all day long. The thing Got is, it. not just financials, because they have a questionnaire that they have to go through. There's different questions. I mean, how much does it cost to have a manager to run this place? So they have to figure different equations in there. Got it. And we do too. And, and again, a good business broker is going to go ahead and we have things that we know that we have to go ahead and do because you can have a, a business owner, they own a property, but they don't pay themselves the rent. Well, they're not going to sell, even though they may not pay themselves the rent, say they're going to sell, but they're going to rent the building. Well, the new owner has a, a rent that they're going to have to pay. So you have to fair, figure in a fair market rent there. And sure. then say a fair market rent's 3000 but the doctor's only paying himself 1000 you have to go ahead and adjust that cash flow accordingly. And then sometimes I've had the opposite where, you know, Dave, we're going ahead and, and we pay ourselves 3000 but really the fair market rent here is, a, you know, 2000 Right. Um, so that kind of goes into add backs and adjustments. Right. And adjustments. And that's just like we go ahead and do that. That's what your, you know, appraiser will go ahead and do. The thing is there, they're using more, they're using more methods of going ahead and appraising. You know, it could be six plus methods that they go ahead and, and use. It all comes down, like I said, we can, I'm not beat a dead horse here, but it all comes down, it all comes down to believability. And the more believable you are, just like when you go to court, the more believable you are, the better chance you're going to go ahead and win. Got it. So at what point do you package this information up and create as many brokers do the confidential information memorandum, the SIM, the CIM? Is that the next step after an appraisal or are there other steps in between there? Once we go ahead and we get that evaluation of the appraisal, that's when I have another discussion with the, the owner and say, okay, here's what we have. This is what we're looking at. At that point, now they know if they want to sell or not, because you have some that are pleasantly surprised and you have someone that are not so pleasantly surprised. So once we get that back, we know what we're worth, then we'll go ahead and put together our agreement. At that point, I'll go ahead and I package up the business, what I call an offering memorandum. It's a good 10 pages, includes pictures. It includes a snapshot of the, the financial showing the recasting, enough to give a, a buyer enough information that after they review it and see it, they'll go, yeah, let's go ahead and set up a call or set up a meeting with the, the seller to, to speak on it. So before the offering memorandum, you mentioned that some of the owners would be surprised. And how does that go? Because some of them will say, well, my practice is, you know, generating a million dollars. Why is this business appraisal saying that it would be worth 750 grand? 
some of these owners will then not sell or choose to continue to build the business maybe, or maybe sell in the future. How do you engage in those conversations? Like, how does that go? And that's another reason for having a business appraiser, because you need to know where you're at. Honestly, I don't have that too much with with people. I mean, it comes back and like I tell sellers, it is what it is. I mean, I say numbers don't lie, but it is what it is. And you need to know where you're at. And that's the problem. Like when I tell business owners or like when I say they don't know if they want to sell or not because they don't know what they're worth. So, I mean, does it come back and they go, ooh, that's nice. Or does it come back and they go, like you said, only 700000 Now we need to go ahead and see about doing something different. Because you have some businesses and you can't value them that, that way. I mean, if they're taking cash out of it and we all want the financials and, or I should say the tax returns to not look good because we don't want to pay taxes. It's, it's understood. But if you got a hip national bank going on and people do it, then you can't go ahead and value a business that way. So at that point, that's when I have a good talk with the seller and say, you need to do things differently. If you want to bring, you reap the rewards as you have and that you may not reap them now if you haven't been, you know, if you've been making your numbers look bad. Okay. If you want to go ahead and reap the rewards when you sell, then you're going to have to start doing things differently. And that's one, we need to turn around to make it look as profitable as you can. And most, most sellers know that because I've had to, and they'll say, yeah, I can see I need to do that. Or they'll say, no, I'm fine. You know, at this point, if it's 700,000, I'm, I'm fine with that. Let's go with it. It just depends on the, the seller. A lot of doctors I talk with, they've done well. They've had great practices. They've made money for years. It's not their retirement. As it is, when I talk with some business owners, you can have a mom and pop or what have you. They've built this and spent blood, sweat, and tears. The children don't want to take it over. And this is their this is their retirement. Got it. So going back to the offering memorandum, so you help the practice owner create that, and that's going to have the asking price. It's also going to have a lot of verbiage and financials in it that is probably from the appraisal and, and kind of I create it. I don't help them do I create it. You create I mean, it. You create the offering memorandum. It's got the asking price. It has financials and verbiage that kind of substantiate the asking price, right? Yeah, because we're pulling, really what we're doing is I'm just pulling it from the appraisal and putting it in there. We'll have pictures in there. We'll have different categories like competition. How could you grow this business? History. Right. And how long does that typically take you? Is that days, weeks, hours? Usually a couple of days. I mean, usually a couple of days. It depends on how much information and first thing I do is I'll get in touch with the seller and I'll give them a, a form to fill out to give me an idea. And I tell them the more information you're able to give me, the best way to look at the offering memorandum, like when I tell a seller, what would you want a seller to know? That's it. So give me that information and I'll package it all up, put it into the offering memorandum. The only time they get the offering memorandum, meaning the, the potential buyer, is again, after we signed an NDA, and in, in my office, not offices do this, not all of them, they'll look for proof of funds, POF. So I'll go ahead and I'll, you get some buyers and they can be kind of skittish. You can get some large pegs, private equity, group, private equity groups that don't want to do that. But I'll even tell them, hey, give me a couple numbers. I promised the seller I would get this. And if I tell someone I'm going to do something, I'm going to go ahead and do it. 
if they don't want to go ahead and give you what you need, sorry, just not going to disclose it because there are some people that they only want to know who's for sale. And you can't take that chance jeopardizing confidentiality because in most cases, business brokerage, and the reason why you hire a business broker, which goes back to your question, the big thing is confidentiality. So that everybody doesn't know you're for sale because you don't want your clients, your customers, your competitors to know. Or and also, or the, talking about. or the patients or the staff, right? Exactly. Because the staff might get a little uneasy, feel like, you know, they might lose their job or something might happen. You know, there, there might be changes and they're not, not many people like change. Exactly. Because you're afraid they might not leave and now you got a staff to replace. Right. You know, or okay. if you're talking about a practice and you got other doctors, they could get skittish and your mid-level start leaving. And So when or what's the next step you have, you'd complete the offering memorandum. Or that owner, the owner maybe has, does the owner have a final review? You publish it, you agree on it. Then then what's the next step? So you start have ex- Start marketing. At that point, we have different, the day of the paper's gone, as we know. So everything's internet. Okay, there's top sites out there. A lot of your listeners may know them, the biz by sell, businessesforsale.com, uh, broker, businessbroker.net. That's where your buyers are coming from. I'd say a good fit. I'm here in Florida. A good 50% of my buyers are coming from out of state. Is that typically when an, like an outside buyer is looking to get in a new state or a new region? It could be. I mean, I just had a good example. I had a doctor from California. He has 41 practices that he ended up buying. 41. Three of them were in Arizona, I think it was. And he wanted to get a foothold here in Florida. So I ended up going ahead and buying it was real small, real small practice in Jacksonville, but that was going to be the stepping stone to go ahead and with Florida here. Long story short, the type of practice they're looking for and they're into, and I, I don't mind sharing, it's pain management. I ended up going ahead and was able to put together a bigger deal, which we just closed on in May, which included three locations and considerably a lot more collections. Mm-hmm. So it worked out that his buying a small practice just to get started in the state and now go ahead and blossom from there. And without mentioning the practice name, how did that pain management group or the group of physicians find out about you or vice versa in regards to that opportunity and that you're talking about? I reached out. I'll go ahead and I have something that I use when it comes to reaching out to doctors where I can go ahead and, and email them. So I go ahead and, and, and do that, and then they can go ahead and get back and you know back in contact with me. Mainly, it's a simple email that I put together. Hey, businesses are like right now. Businesses are selling for the highest prices ever. If you own a practice, have you ever thought about selling? If so, give me a call. Contact me. So this is your like cold email to to oh. doctors outbound. Yeah, unless they're referred to me. I mean, I've, of course, I have referrals. Sure. But if it's just a cold, like this one in this particular, like I said, in this particular case here, it was we made that connection from a, a, an email that I did. And I've been working with this doctor for a few years now. So and that's the thing with, with practices. And this is helpful information. Average length of time for a business to sell. And I'm talking about business. doesn't matter practice, whatever it is, is 9 to 12 months. Do some sell faster than that? Absolutely. Do some take longer than that? Yes, they do. 
And usually the ones that take longer than that, they're overpriced. I heard a stat and you can let me know if you agree with it or not. I, the stat was something like 70, 80, maybe even 90% of businesses that go on the market. Now, I'm not talking about just healthcare, like any businesses for sale in the US. 70, 80, maybe up to 90% of businesses that are for sale or go on the market never get sold. Is that something that you've heard of? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. It, it's, it's up there. It's up there. And it, so the number one thing that you just mentioned, I'm assuming, is because that they're overvalued. Is that it? Or they're other overpriced. reasons? And that's, like I said, a lot of them, because what I did, and I, I'm going to share this, I did years ago, I would not, and I'll stress again, I would not take any business to market without having the independent third-party business appraisal. Why? Because of believability. And you know what? I was selling 70 to 80% of all my businesses that I took to market. Now, when you say you've said the word believability several times, and it makes a lot of sense, not just for us, the potential buyer side, but also believability for your client, the seller, because then they can't say to you, oh, let's add 20, 30% on top of this, you know, potential asking price, whatever the appraisal says. Surfy in their days. You know, Say that again? Which they'll tell me as the, the broker. And a lot of, well, even today, some people, but a lot of your new brokers, it's like, just get the listing. So you have a listing and throw it up there and, and, and see what happens. But what happens is, you know, you could have a business where the, the seller's going ahead and dictating, Dave, I want $1 million in my pocket. So for me to put $1 million, if I don't get that, I'm not going to sell. So you need to go ahead and put your fee in there, Dave. And you need to go ahead and figure some wiggle room. So now you could be up to million two, million three, maybe more, because the seller's going, I'm not going to sell unless I get this. When you have that independent third-party business appraisal, we know it will work. And you can go ahead and do that because now if you say, well, it's, it's a million, but you, Mr. Seller, you're telling me you want me to market for a million three. Now you can't even show the business appraisal. So why did we do it? I'm assuming brokers don't usually or clients don't want the potential buyers ever to see the independent business appraisal. Does that ever happen? Or do buyers ever ask for it and you guys say no or? or? Never say no. I, I, believe me. That's what I mentioned earlier. I want them to know that it was, and I advertise that way. I want them to know that this was independently third-party appraised. I didn't put the price on it. The seller didn't put the price on it. And the very first question every buyer will ask me is, can I see it? Can I get a copy of it? Sure. No problem. Because Excellent. the first thing they're going to do, they're going to take it to their accountant. Great. Wonderful. Meaning that the client is going to take it to their personal accountant? Correct. Just for confirmation, why do they do that? Well, because a lot of buyers, they want to go ahead and make sure they're doing their due diligence because they don't want to buy a business and go, oh, I never, you know, I should have had someone else look at this. Or I'm, I have my own accountant or my attorney and I didn't use them on this because they don't want to get egg on their face if they buy a business and it doesn't pan out. Then they're going to go, oh, I, I, well, I didn't. Well, didn't you do the due diligence? Did your CPA look at? Well, I didn't do that. Of course, we will. The buyer side. I thought you meant the, the owner, the sell side. Is I thought no, you no, said no. the owner is taking it to buyer. their account. Of course. Of course. Buyer. Right. Yeah. Got it. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. That's, I think this is a great place to pause. I would love to have you back on the uh, show in the future, David. What's a good place for anyone in the audience that owns a physical therapy practice, uh, 
they're a healthcare business owner. If they want to reach out to you, whether it's on LinkedIn, email address, what's a good place for someone to connect with you and, and learn a little bit more? I am on LinkedIn and you'll see Dave, David, Dave Kazakria. My spelling of my last name is C-O-Z-Z-2-Z-O-C-R-E-A, Kazakria. Or you can go ahead, by all means, you can email me at Southeast, and it's all spelled out, Southeast Business Advisors with an S, Southeast Business Advisors at gmail.com. I don't know if you want my number. I don't mind that either if you want. If, if, you, if you want to put it out there, sure. If you want to call me direct, 850-566-6466. Again, 850-566-6466. Please, if you do, if people with text, I have no clue who they are and they never say who they are. So if you do, please give me your name and give me an idea why you're texting me. And, um, and I don't, I don't get anything out of this, but let David know if you reach out to him, let him know that you heard about him through the show, through the Dave Kittle show. I don't get any commission or cut or anything, but if you hear about David through this and uh, you guys connect, that's great. That's why we're putting information out like this. So David, I'd love to have you back on in the future. We'll maybe dissect uh, really you know, specific points. Maybe we can go more into EBITDA and adjusted EBITDA, ad backs. Um, there's a lot of other things that business brokers like you are very specialized in explaining and making it simple for the healthcare business owner. So I would love to have you back in the future. Uh, you gave us your contact information, connect with you on LinkedIn. Uh, any final comments, uh, questions, thoughts, anything like that in regards to either the audience or uh, any you know suggestions or, or any ways for uh, a therapy practice owner, healthcare business owner to best navigate this uh, big transaction, potential transaction of their life? I, not really. I appreciate having me on. The, the biggest thing is I hope this was informative to your listeners. By all means, feel free to give me a call. I, I don't charge to go ahead and talk. I'm, I'm not an attorney. <laughs> but yeah, the big thing is, is you need to plan. And a lot of people, it's easier said than done, but most of us do not plan. Nobody would have ever planned on a COVID. Nobody would have ever planned on a 9-11. And when you can have, and this is fact, you can have one bad year, and that will affect the value of your business by 25% at least. So wow. you need right. to go ahead and plan because a lot of businesses, a lot of practices, or they practice it, maybe it a little different, but you don't have children that want to go ahead and take it over. So you need to go ahead and have some type of exit strategy in place. And really, they tell you the best time to have the exit strategy is when you first buy the business. That's when your exit strategy should start. Got it. Excellent, David. Thank you so much. Go ahead and reach out to David at Southeast Business Advisors at gmail.com. Like I said, I don't get anything of it. I don't get anything for it, but uh, check in with him. And it's, uh, do you usually have clients? Like you said, we, we kind of touched on it. Maybe they make the rounds and they speak to different brokers and they kind of see who would be the best to work with unless there's a referral. But is, is that usually advisable or how do you usually advise that? They can, but usually when they talk to me, they're, they're done. Got it. We'll leave, we'll leave it at that. Excellent, David. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at 
dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com. Or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.